mindfulness mode. You got to find a spark in your life. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here in Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with Dr. Janelle Kim. She's a wellness and mindfulness expert. She's been teaching a dynamic movement-based approach to meditation for years, but now since the the, uh, pandemic has started, she's noticed a steady increase in people interested in her teachings. And I think you're going to love what she has to say. She's written a very impactful book and I just found it to be absolutely excellent. Her ideas are going to be published in that book, which is coming out January, 2022. And the book is called Myung Sung, The Korean Art of Living Meditation. So Dr. Kim, are you in mindfulness mode today? I I absolutely am. And thank you for the beautiful introduction, Bruce. So happy to be here. Well, you're welcome. It's my pleasure to have you on the show. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Dr. Kim? Mm, I love this question. Mindfulness means to me an awareness, an ability to be aware of our own self first, because everything has to start from within us, but also to take a step outward and put ourselves into other people's shoes to gain a greater perspective, or as I love to say, zoom out because by doing so, we know how we feel, what our thoughts are, we are able to live in the moment, but we also can connect and see clearly the situations around us so that we can bring more happiness and balance into our lives. Right, and it's that's what it's all about. Yes. Contentment and balance and happiness. Yes. And so tell me about you. What did you, what took you to that point where you decided to write this book? Mm, I appreciate that, Bruce. How did I get here? You know, I often will say, and, I, and to me, it's absolutely accurate that I say, I, I would think I was born to do exactly what I'm doing. And that does not mean that I always knew that I was going to do this. You know, um, I grew up living these philosophies. You know, I always love to say that my mentor, as I'm sure we'll get into my father, you know, I come from a long lineage. And so it would be very important for him for me to share that these are not his words and his thoughts. This was not his master's words and thoughts or the master before them. It basically has been handed down for who knows how long, you know, if we want to say centuries and I'm ninth generation, wonderful, but to me, they're universal truths and philosophies. And so it has been incorporated in my life since the day I came into this world. And that doesn't mean, oh, I got it perfectly and I got it down. You know, not at all. I went through my teenage years. I've had quite a few serious ups and downs in my life. Um, I also have had the chance to have medicine in my life, which is another huge part of who I am and movement, right? My three M's, medicine, movement, meditation, or the philosophy. So all three of these pillars, if you will, have been a part of my life since I was young. And fast forward, when I was about 20, you know, I I studied really hard. I I was the firstborn. So I say my father was pretty traditional, if you will, (laughs) or strict, some may say. Um, And so I really thought of myself going to Western medicine. I studied hard. Things were a little linear at some point in my life. And when I reached about 19 years old, it kind of hit me just like that, Bruce. You know, you hear it sometimes, and it certainly was the case for me. It was kind of this moment of awakening, if you will, or being connected, if you will. And it was one of the most maybe risky or or challenging decisions I've ever had to make. This has happened a few times in my life where I realized, you know, I just had this calling, if you will, that the world has to understand this 
so much more, especially in the West. You know, um, I'm a walking example of East and West. I like to say my mother's American. She's blonde hair, brown eyes. My father was Korean. You know, to this day, that's still not the norm. Right. Right. <laughs> but that's that's what it is. I you know, there's no comment about it. Um, and so that's where all these things kind of started hitting me. I was going to study Western medicine and then I realized well, there's so much about Eastern medicine that I have seen with my own eyes and seen so many people get get so much balance from, get so much relief from. How can I not share that? The same with the philosophies, especially as years passed a little further. And so really, to sum it all up, Bruce, I just feel like I'm so grateful in my life to have come across these principles. And so how can I not? It would be in my lineage. How can I now let it go? basically. So it's, it can be a lot of pressure, but to me, I'm, I could not be more grateful. Right. Well, gratitude yeah. is fantastic. Wonderful to have. Dr. Kim, please tell Mindful Tribe about a couple of your darkest down times. Okay. Okay. Got it, Bruce. So, so, you know, we all have our ups and downs. I was actually just speaking to one of my closest friends that I've grown up with since I was 12. And I said, you know, sometimes I feel like I can be an eternal optimist because <laughs> yeah. we have to look positive and have that gratitude. I also know I'm a realist when it comes to certain things. So there's a lot of things in my life. If I look back, I've, I've come to find and I have to acknowledge this, the reasons why certain things have happened and where they led for, to me today. And so I, I have to enter that way because that's truly how I live and how I look at my life. Um, how about if I share with you what I would say is probably the, the hardest moment of my entire life. Um, one that I, for some odd reason, my gut just always try to prepare for, but there's no such thing. And the reason why this book is even in our hands today. And that is that almost, almost six years ago now, my father passed away, who is my mentor very unexpectedly. And he was, he was my everything. I mean, I can't even, I can't even express that enough, you know? And so you know, that can lead into so many different things. He was my closest to my father. He was my teacher. Um, he was the most compassionate, caring person I've, I will ever know in my entire life. And so that was a huge, you know, at the age of 33, I never would have imagined. And so, so that is one that, of course, kind of I recall. And, you know, I, I run businesses. I'm very close to my family. As I told you, I'm the oldest and we take that very seriously. At the time I had a, a son who was four years old. And I say all of this because during that moment I had to keep moving, you know? And so that's one reason why personally this, this book, this manuscript, these principles mean so much to me because I truly do read them. I incorporate them. And this is how I've been able to my whole life. And I imagine, I know for a fact, I will continue to utilize these and how I can find balance and calm and not be blown by the winds of life too, too harsh. Right. So, yeah. so that's one that I would love to share. Yes. Yeah. What was the toughest part of your book to write? <laughs> I love these questions, Bruce. I'll tell you one that, again, that really comes to my mind is when I first, when my father first passed away, I kind of went into go mode, right? We handle grief and shock in many different ways. And I remember calling someone because I thought, okay, here's these principles that I have worked on. I have, like I said, heard my whole life. And for a good 10 years, my father and I truly sat down and wrote the stories. And I wrote down the principles almost as if Bruce, and I certainly look at life this way, we were preparing for this exact moment, you know? And so when he passed, I went full force. I'm going to write this book. And I called someone because I didn't know how to begin. You know, when I started my manufacturing labs, I did not know how to begin. <laughs> and sometimes those are the moments where you just have to put one foot in front of the other and you just begin. 
And I remember calling this one woman and she was very kind. She had also experienced a very sudden loss and she knew what had happened. She was one of the few people at the time I could even share it with. And she said, you know, Janelle, do whatever you feel is necessary, but it might be a little bit fresh. Mm. And so I said, okay, thank you. And I kept moving forward. And I tell you what, I went to sit down and start writing. And the first thing that came out, I actually put in the book. And I don't think many people know this, maybe not even my publisher at the moment, and I'm so close to them. But the letter that you find in the beginning of the book is the first thing that came out. And so that was that was certainly hard, if you will, so touching. But writing that letter just took so much, so much out of me, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, uh, she was totally correct. It took at least maybe three years before <laughs> I was able to really start, you know, finding the, the correct road that I'm so grateful kind of moved quickly. And here we are today. So yeah. that well, was not easy. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's wonderful that you've put this out to the world because it is so enlightening and it's such, mm -hmm. such a, a beautiful book to read. And that's one of the things I appreciate because you have just shared so much of yourself in this book. And, and so it's, it's really wonderful. So tell me more about your father. I, I just feel like our listeners should know more about who he was and what he offered to the world. Absolutely, Bruce. So it's an interesting thing. And, and one of the things that I actually wanted to share and I am sharing with especially our part of the world, the Western culture, you know, um, and this is a little more matter of fact, but what an interesting thing. I mean, how many people really, let's be honest, if I were to walk down the street and said, you know, my father from the age of seven lived in the mountains of East Asia in Korea. I mean, right there, I have, my son is now eight and I look at him sometimes. This is my own father and my own son. And I think my father was in the mountains at this time. I mean, it can blow our mind. Yeah. And then, so. and then, right, Bruce? I mean, yes, and that's absolutely. the part that, that honestly, for a little while, I even had to really think through, do I share this? Is it too much? But you know what? Obviously, here I am. So that's another conversation. But he did, he studied in the mountains of East Asia in Korea, which is not something so, so unheard of in East Asia, right? And so he did. So to end that, he, st he studied for seven years with his master in Korea. Um, and going back a minute here, what I just said is not so uncommon for certain people from certain types of families, if you will, that for many different reasons, whether they had to run away for a little while during the war, whether it was part of their you know, their role, if you will, and their family um, to go and study in this manner. And when, when he went to study, it includes, you know, everything from meditation to movement to philosophy, the same pillars that I speak of today, and certainly medicine. You know, I speak around the world about the medicine. And I will often say, you know, the ancestors who came before me and passed on these secret formulas in my lineage, they literally lived it. They had to survive, Bruce, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's an interesting yes. thing when you, when we think of this, you know? Um, and so I think that's an important thing to let readers know. Um, and then basically to make it very simple, my father had a choice, which, which pretty much I would imagine almost everyone in this situation who has this experience to go away and study their meditation, be a monk for a few years, if you will, their studies, because that's one way you can think of it almost as a, a time of study. You have to make a decision, whether you stay at the monastery, you stay at that temple, you stay at that place of study, and you basically commit your life to that lifestyle, or you come back and live in society, right? And so I actually remember as I grew up hearing sometimes, you know, um, I can't quote my father exactly, but basically, you know, how interesting I often think of that. On one hand, you have a set of challenges, if you will, 
living in mountains, survival and hardship in a way that I certainly don't know. And I wonder if you would also, Bruce, you know, but then there's a whole other set of challenges and hardships coming from the peaceful mountains on one hand and entering reality. And how do we take these principles, just as I share them in the book, and apply them, truly apply them to our daily life? And that's why I really that's one of the main things, if you were to ask me, what's the difference between what I have learned that has been passed on for so many centuries? And, and if I, with all, with much respect, how in comparison to a lot of the things I see outside, I have so much respect and admiration for all of the thought leaders. Most, I can't say all, right? I don't know right, all. Right. <laughs> Dr. Kim, would you share with Mindful Tribe some of your own personal experiences with the medicines? With the medicines. Oh, yes. sure. We can have a whole podcast on that, Bruce. I mean, that's what I usually do. For the last 20 years of my life, um, I have been part of the wellness industry, if you will. And so moving through this kind of quickly, <laughs> um, again, like I said, it kind of started with medicine when I was 19 years old. I was going down the road of Western medicine and I decided, no, I have to show the world Eastern medicine. And so I did. I mean, everyone thought my friends, my peers thought I was joking and I just picked up and went to study Eastern medicine. <laughs> now, of course, I had my mentors. I studied both here in the United States, abroad in East Asia. And it was my dream to be like my great grandfather, for example, who had clinics and patients and Bruce, I loved being in clinic. I loved having patients and treating people. I could have been lost in that world, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I say that with passion because that is another time in my life where things kind of took a turn. And had I fought exactly what we talk about, you know, our living meditation, following the universe, staying connected, being open, and during certain moments, acknowledging this is a door. I see this invisible door coming to divisibility of opportunity. And so basically I walked through this door and what it led to was I I fought it for a second because I wanted to have clinics just like my great grandpa. My lab is actually called JBK Wellness Labs. And some people think I named it after myself, which is just ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) To add a little humor, I would never do such a thing. That's very funny to me, but it's named after my great grandpa. And so, right. And so when I wanted these clinics, all of a sudden, you know, I grew up basically sharing different formulas with various, all different types of doctors and practitioners, but on a very personal way. People would call my family, for example, you know, I have this patient, I'm having a hard time. Do you have a formula? We'd do that. There was a certain dermatologist finally who called me when I was in my studies, almost on an end when I thought I was going to jump into building clinics. And she said, Janelle, she was dealing with troubled skin. She said, these formulas are truly changing people's lives. You have to do something with it. And again, kind of jumping forward, I started to do so. And so this basically led me to, (laughs) you know, making logos, making formulas, of course, formulating and manufacturing and started to work with different companies. I was on the forefront of the natural product industry, which is unbelievable to think about that that was a new at that time, you know, natural products, clean beauty. Mm-hmm. I was on the forefront of herbal products. You know, when I first began, people told me, oh, that's really nice, Janelle. I wasn't a doctor at that time, that you're sharing Asian medicine. But I, I don't think people really want to see Asian. I think you should take your face off. I think that people won't understand it. And I smiled nicely because to me, just like the philosophy, we're all human. And I know one thing, no matter who we are, what gender we are, what ethnicity we are, whether we were born hundreds of years ago, whether we're born a hundred years from now, the formulas, the philosophy applies to all of us. And so I always just rooted myself in that and kept moving forward. And now look, for example, Korean beauty, K-beauty is the biggest in the entire industry. So to sum that pillar up the medicine 
I now am so grateful that I basically am able to combine, always rooted in the herbal medicine that has been passed down in my lineage. We work with so many different clients, manufacturing behind the scenes, so contract manufacturing with people, you know, clients who are in your high-end resorts and spas, Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, your Nordstrom's, Neiman Marcus, Whole Foods. And so it's just amazing. And when I was being a little stubborn to not go down this road 20 years ago, my turning point, my change of perspective, my living meditation is that I stopped myself and thought, Janelle, don't just look at it like you're not following your what you believe was your road at the time to have clinics. Why can't you look at it like the world is your clinic? Why can't you share it in that way? And and quite frankly, Bruce, I, I never, never have stopped. And I still have so much to share. So wow. that's fantastic. So that's that. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about yeah. the movement aspect. What yes. does movement look like in your life? And how do you, uh, how do you suggest other people get involved? Absolutely. So I appreciate that. So we just talked about medicine, which is so important. Let's break it down into one sentence. We, you, we can utilize proper medicines, whether we do not feel good or whether it's for maintenance to constantly rebalance our system, to supplement ourselves and to create flow, right? Everything has to be, we have to have enough of it and it has to be moving. Well, the same thing, and that's the secret to health. That's the fountain of youth. <laughs> it's not so easy to do unless you have the correct understanding. That's the truth, right? But but that also moves right into movement. So movement is so important in our lives because we have, whether we can picture it this way or not, but of course, where, where I stand in Eastern medicine, for example, we have meridian systems that flow through our whole body. Mm-hmm. I won't go into that right now. Like I said, that's a whole other podcast, right. but, um, but we can picture our circular, circulatory system. Everything has to be moving and functioning and we have to have an abundance of nourishment and good things for our body. And if we stop that flow, we cause stagnation. And, you'll, and I'll jump forward here for a second. The same thing works in our life. That's why it's the three pillars, right? If we're too stagnant, if we can't see clearly, if we can't zoom out, change our perspective, we'll start to break down. And so movement is so important to me and is something I very much incorporate. And, and what that looks like has changed from my childhood to my early 20s to my 30s. And now I'm entering into my 40s. Right now, what that means to me, Bruce, is very much in line with living meditation, if you will, Mm -hmm. because I oftentimes, and and this is part of why I even wanted to put this book and these principles out there, I kept seeing whether it was meditation, whether it was movement, even medicine and supplementation, if you will, that I look outside and there's so many wonderful, so much wonderful information. There's also a lot of not wonderful information, but there's so much. And how do we, how do we incorporate that in a way that's not stressing us out? For example, living meditation. Why do these words mean something to me? Like meditation, when we think of it, you're sitting down, right? And there's so many different techniques. I'm a huge proponent, you know, but how long can we sit down for? Now, do we want to sit down for an hour every day? And now it's become so stressful. I see so this happened to so many people. And now exactly what we're meditating for is now stressing us. The same thing with movement, right? So for me, movement looks like 15 minutes in the morning sometimes, where to me, it's very important to practice an internal type of movement as well. So it's good for my strength, my physical, you know, body, but also good for my internal organs, my muscles, joints, my mind-body connection. So for me, it's traditional martial arts. Yoga certainly has that involved, certain breath work. So that's what movement looks like right now in my life and why it's important. Sure. Well, let's move on and talk about meditation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so tell us, what is meditation like for you? When did you get, have you always meditated? I know you grew up with this, but that doesn't right. necessarily mean that you always did no, it. Right. Uh, tell us. You're right. You're right. There are times, like I said, I'm a huge proponent 
of finding time to be able to do this. Like I said, prior to having children and running multiple businesses, I had a little bit more time. <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't realize that I, I did, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So sitting down for 30 minutes to an hour, several times a week, if you will, um, while I was building companies was very important to me. Practicing different techniques, very important to me. Again, I want to make it very clear that is I'm a huge proponent of incorporating these types of things and learning from, if I will, um, correct teachers, correct line. Where are you learning your information from? I think that's very important. But really important what i wish to share and what i certainly incorporate into my life is this understanding of living meditation what that means is we have to ask ourselves i I really like this this is to me a very big part of mindfulness if you will when we say these words balance when we say these words meditation to even stop and think what do i even mean by that what does it mean to me right and meditation to me if you were to ask right now is a sense of calm a moment to connect my mind and body with the intention of balancing myself so that I can better able to, you know, have a better condition mentally, physically, spiritually, but also connect with my outside world. And so why do I have to wait to sit down for 30 minutes when truly these same principles can become part of every single moment of our day? That's living meditation. That's what these eight keys, the whole book is made up of eight keys instead of chapters. And they're keys that kind of unlock the doors to living this life of balance, connectedness, mindfulness, awareness. And so that's what, that's what meditation, that's what this philosophy is, is taking these principles, again, knowing yourself as much as we possibly can, which is our ultimate goal, so it's not so simple, but then connecting with other people and how this can help us. This is the, this is like the tangible, the practical part of it. How does this help me when I run my lab, when I run my business? How does this help me in parenting? How does this help me with my family and my friends and my community? How do I respond instead of react? And ultimately it all comes down to having accountability and responsibility for our own actions because at the end of the day, no matter what you are doing, true happiness, true sadness, true anger, true joy, everything comes from inside. And that also means that it is so empowering. It can be a little scary, but it can be empowering. Let's talk about some of the habits that can help us to find inner peace. Thank you, Bruce. So I'm sure you saw that the second key was the true, right, and correct method. (laughs) And it took me a moment to even think, what am I going to call this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because how do you, you know? It took me a little while to write this book because, you know, in all transparency, I'd, I'd be paralyzed sometimes with, these are such important principles. How can I put them in words and not, and make sure that I'm not messing up the words or putting my own thoughts into them? And while balancing, I have to, you know, share it so that we're all resonating with it. But so the true right, correct method in the book, you'll even kind of almost see it as an equation for those of us who love the linear thinking. (laughs) And but ultimately, it's surrounded by the yin and yang symbol, right? So that is the ultimate symbol as far as I'm concerned of balance. And what that means is you have the true and if you can visualize with me the yin yang symbol that looks like a fish, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the, the yin side is the dark side, the black side, right? Of this black and white image. And that's usually represents softness, being more observant. That usually represents the feminine energy, you know, so you see where I'm going there. Yeah. The, the white 
part of the image is the yang side, right? So that's brightness, that's day, that's loud, that's more masculine energy. And so right there, that's to me is where everything that equals balance. And as we can, as many of us might know, it's constantly transforming. There's no such thing as ever just being stagnant, ever being still. And so we, every moment of our lives is a balance. And so when we look at that and we enter into that first half circle, if you will, the true, and then the right, and then it equals correct, a correct decision. Well, the true basically looks at yourself, right? How do I feel to really simplify things? How do I feel about this moment, this circumstance, this person? The right looks outside. This is what I see or how can I look at the, put myself in other people's shoes? Where are they standing right now? And by looking at your own inner feelings, your own inner state, and then looking also at the outside world around you, the people, the circumstances, you kind of use both of those aspects, those perspectives, and that's how you can arrive to what I like to call the correct decision or method. Dr. Kim, would you share some of the feedback you've received from your book? Oh, sure, Bruce. I, yes, I appreciate that as well. You know, one of the most important things to me, if not the most important to me, and I have received this feedback and, and nothing makes me happier, is, you know, to me, it would be great if, if my words sound pretty. Okay, great. <laughs> you know, that yeah. doesn't mean so much to me. You know, it would be great if, oh, wow, that sounds very profound, but I don't know how to apply it to my life. That's not what I'm looking for. So to me, the feedback that I have received, and I'm so grateful to hear this, is exactly what I, I said a few minutes ago. It's applicable. They're principles that clearly, as you start to read this book, you know, if, if, if anyone sits down and tries to read these principles, including myself, I mean, I'm going to be 39 tomorrow, actually. Oh. <laughs> and to this day, I know, right? I'm like, wait a second, that's happening tomorrow. Great. I usually Happy birthday. Myself, so. Thanks, Bruce. But my point is, you know, if you sit down and try to memorize this book, it's not, we, we haven't done the right thing. Right. right. It's, and it's something I wish, and I've even talked to the publisher about it. I, I hope that this book isn't too big. It's something we can carry around with us, for example. Right. And so my whole point of saying all of this is that we look at even that true, right and correct method. We look at how we apply that to our life. And that's how we kind of come across with the, the correct decisions in our life so that we bring that much more harmony and happiness. Does that answer or yes. tell me your specific question, Bruce? Yes, it does. Sure I Yes. yes, and so that's does. what people have basically said, that when you're able to apply these universal principles, if you will, and I and they clearly see that through these eight keys, you can look at the moment of parenting. You can look at that moment with your family where you're in conflict. You can look at that moment in business where you have a solution that you have to come up with, but how are you going to handle that? So basically, it's how do you respond instead of react? And I have seen that that's um, a lot of people have said that, that that really gives a very real. It doesn't just make everything sound so easy and happy all the time because life is not always that way. So practical. Your book is called Myung Sung, The Korean Art of Living Meditation. Was it difficult to come up with the title? So this is so interesting, Bruce. So I knew that living meditation at least in my heart of hearts, I wanted that to be part of it because it means I couldn't think of another two words that would get across exactly what we're talking about. Sure. And so when I brought that to the, when I, when I basically was able to join and got my book deal with the publisher, they're actually the ones who said, you know, Dr. Kim, we love, we love it. We love it. And I was so grateful for that. But when it comes to the title, we'd love for you to add something, you know, more part of your Asian culture, your Asian heritage, if you will. And so that's where Myungsun came. So Myungsun translate as meditation. And they loved the Korean art of. And I have to tell you, Bruce, I for a moment I had almost a little pushback. I anyone who knows me knows I 
and rooted in tradition rituals you know the, the ancient combined with the new as just who i am but when i heard just the korean art i also hesitated for a second because i didn't want it to feel like it's just asian right sure. because it's not it's all people but i totally got their point it's it's it gives that deeper feel is what i've heard and so that's how we arrived to the title right <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I always ask my my uh, interviewees a question about that. Do you have a story where maybe you were bullied, or or someone you know experienced bullying, where mindfulness would have made a difference? Oh goodness, Bruce! I think that if that situation ever were to come up, a very general phrase, which you don't always find me doing, I think mindfulness would make a huge difference every single time, um, especially in the definition that I, that I have, how I define mindfulness, right? It's an awareness. It's a changing your perspective. It's putting yourself in other people's shoes. So I can think of so many for myself, actually, you'll find that a lot of times being that almost eternal optimist in some points, particularly for my own life, I'd say, you know, not really. But when I really sit down to think about it, in fact, even chapter seven of the book shares, which I'm not always one to do so, to be honest, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because I just want to focus on that moving forward, what's going to mean so much to to anyone who comes across this. But I started realizing, oh, no, these experiences that I have had are, of course, so important and I need to share. So actually, in chapter seven of my book, Key Seven, it only takes one match to light a thousand. I actually share some of the the instances where, you know, I don't know if I would have called it bullying in the moment, Bruce, because that's just me, whether it's good or bad. You know, I kind of push through in a certain way. And like I said, I've always, it's a whole chapter, but basically I have always just in those moments, I find it to be very important, whether it's happening to yourself or whether it's happening to other people around you. Of course, looking at the whole situation and what you should do about it, the action you take, which is of utmost importance, you know, not just the talking <laughs> or the memorizing, it's what do we do? And so in those moments, I find that if we really were, we, if we really can, which we can root ourselves in remembering, like I said before, we're all human. And so even when people are coming possibly at me, especially as I, as I share in that chapter, you know, in the work, in the work world, you know, if, if you really sat down to ask me, you know, Dr. Kim, there's so many instances where I'm in a room and it even I'd almost, I almost hesitate sharing this with you because it's not even my style to do so, to be honest, Bruce. But I'm in a room filled with men. I'd say, okay, well, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but when I really think about it, have there been times where maybe there was a little bit of hesitation there? Maybe someone wanted to treat me a little different. Maybe they didn't want to take me as seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, that's why I, I even made a joke when you, when we brought up it's my birthday. I always seem to age myself because growing up kind of the opposite of most, I wanted to be older. I wanted my hair to be darker. You know, all of a sudden this is the first time I'm, I'm a little lighter in my hair color because I wanted to be taken so seriously, you know, Bruce. Right. And um, that's a very, you know, not so such a raw example per se. It could have been, but yeah. an example I can share. And in those moments, I tell you, Bruce, because I was so constantly kept reminding myself that living meditation, creating that habit of no matter where I am, No matter who I stand in front of, what circumstance comes in front of me, even the hardest of circumstances, right? If I remember that I am connected, I am rooted, I am connected to all who came before me, particularly those who I feel linked to in my my lineage. I'm connected to all who come after me, my children, the next generation. You know, there's something really beautiful about that. And that's what living meditation means to me as well. You know, changing our perspective, feeling connected to the universe, something greater than us. 
whether that means God, whether that means the universe, nature. We have to see, we have to root ourselves and become connected with greater things. And then through that, I've been able to kind of, no matter what room I walk into, no matter how much negative energy might be there, whether directed towards me intentionally or not, I don't know, it carries strength and power and doesn't mean I never felt anything. I certainly have, but you have to just keep purifying yourself. That's that living meditation, right? Keep cleaning up on the inside and then you're almost unstoppable as far as I'm concerned <laughs> in a compassionate manner, right? not a bulldozing manner. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Dr. Yeah. Kim, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So okay. just 30 second answers are perfect. All right. The first one may be obvious, but we'll find out. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness the most in your life? Yes. Well, of course, in this conversation, yes. I'd have to say my father. Yes, of course. So how has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you deal with your emotions? It makes them consistent. Never too, never too happy, never too sad, never too excited, never too lacking of excitement. Stay consistent. Let's talk about breathing. How is breathing a part of your mindfulness practice? Mm, it means so much to me in all three of those pillars. In medicine, it's so important to bring oxygen circulation. Movement is the same, as well as the philosophy. It's a moment that we can kind of connect and ground ourselves to see clearly the situation in front of us. Your book is absolutely awesome, Myung Sung, The Korean Art of Living Meditation. But if there was another book you could suggest that our listeners should read that is related to mindfulness, what book would that be? Well, I have to say, Bruce, The Tao Te Ching. <laughs> oh, I love The Tao Te Ching. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm so glad, as do I. And uh, certainly, as, as we both know, is not one, again, you pick up and just memorize. It's something you incorporate right. constantly. Yes, yes, it is just <laughs> so incredible. Such wonderful lessons in there. Yes. So can you share an app which can help to be more mindful? Hmm, that is a good question. At this point, you know, the first one that comes to my mind because, and it sounds so very, I hope it's not almost uh, passe because everyone knows about it, but honestly, I really do like that Calm app. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the stories, you know, I know people from all different ages, including my own children, when we're traveling all over the world and they're young, that I'll put that on and sometimes it helps me instead of myself talking and reading them stories. I have help. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. you are inspiring. It's wonderful to, to read a book and then get a chance to speak to the author. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you could give a word of advice to our listeners, someone who is maybe struggling a bit, somebody that is interested in mindfulness but isn't really sure how to completely, completely embrace it, what would your word of advice be to that person? I know there's a lot of people feeling that right now. My word of advice is to remember that you are never alone. You are not alone. And it's so important for us to find something greater than us that we can have that faith in, whatever that means to you. And to remember, just like I said, there are so many humans that came before you, so many that are gonna come after, so many that are around you, and we all are in the same boat. We all go through ups and downs, and truly, it's going to be okay. And you hold the power to change your reality. You truly do. 
And it can be a flip of a switch, which doesn't mean it happens overnight. But if you are centered on that and you find that gratitude, like we talked about, Bruce, I like to call it some kind of spark. You got to find a spark in your life. If that's your kids, if that's your parents, whatever that might look like that can ground you and be like bamboo, I always say, right? So be grounded, but be flexible and know that sometimes it can look like the world is going to end and all of a sudden, just remember, in a day, in a week, in a year, you'll look back and you'll say, hmm, that's why that happened. Such wise advice. Thank you, Dr. Kim. And thank you, thank you for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. So all the very best to you as you move forward. Oh, I really appreciate you, Bruce. So wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. I have put together a collection of the top 12 books that have been recommended on the Mindfulness Mode podcast, and I put it into a little ebook. And there are links in there. It tells a little bit of information about each book. I think you'll find it quite valuable. It's free just for you, and you can get it by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So just like always, Mindful Tribe, I appreciate you. I appreciate you tuning into the episodes, and I hope to see you next time. Take care. Bye now.